Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with the School Social Worker podcast. I'm your host, Angela Montijo, and today is a special episode for a number of reasons. This is the 10th episode and officially the end of the first season of the show. We also have over 100 followers, and I don't have a soundboard, but I'm going to do it myself. Grateful to have y'all. <laughs> and I'm joined by Petra. Ay, no, mirad, que estoy haciendo es Petra Vega. <laughs> Today I'm joined by Petra Vega, who is a liberatory leadership coach, emergent strategist, facilitator, and radical social worker who weaves together an anti-oppression approach, healing, and playfulness into who and how we lead. Petra uses she, her, ella pronouns, and she's a queer, Black, Puerto Rican from a tiny town in upstate New York who, after years of being told she should be seen and not heard at home and in the world, decided to reclaim her voice. After learning about the multi-layered systems of oppression that were operating within and outside of her, Petra began doing the inner and outer work of questioning, healing, and disrupting. I know that's right. As the founder of Create More Possibilities, LLC, Petra helps marginalized nonprofit um, leaders in transforming the self-doubt that is getting in the way of them leading in a way that feels good and for them and their team. Petra, I'm pretty sure I met your work um, through a targeted ad on Instagram to one of your play shops, and I've been such a massive fan that since then. Um, I'm personally so excited for this conversation because I feel like we could talk about intersectionality, about liberation, about emergent strategy, about school social work, obviously, about healing, <laughs> about play. Like, So we're just going to go wherever the wind takes us, all right? So first it. of all, welcome. Mm-hmm. How are you? What's up? I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited yes. to go in any of those directions. It feels like a playground. And are we picking up? Is there like a pail? Is there a bucket? I'm a swing kind of person. Where are we mm. swinging to? I'm here for it. I love it. I love it. I do have an introductory question um, because I have been in a debate, a a years long debate um, about and and, and I need I need help settling it. And (laughs) I've got to ask you as the resident New Yorker in the room, what actually is upstate? Is it anything (laughs) above the island or is it like way, way up north? Like you tell me what's up. Ooh, I love this. I think anything, and I'm also geographically challenged, but I think anything <laughs> above, <laughs> anything above Yonkers, I'm like, I feel like Yonkers is like in the gray area. I really am like upstate is like anything outside of the direct New York City area, but I'm like, probably that might be a gray area with like Yonkers and maybe Westchester kind of up there. But for me, I'm like, it's got to be at least two hours outside of the city. Okay. And that makes perfect sense to me. That actually, that makes a lot of sense. I feel like I'm in that, I'm in agreement with you here. What other, what is the other camp or what are the the other, the other camp is literally any, just if you go above the Island, it's upstate New York. And I'm like, but it's, I mean, (laughs) sure. Technically sure. But I mean, that's not what it's referred to as. So it's just, I don't know. Um, but then, I, you know, I don't know the things. I'm not from New York. I'm just an outsider. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> just going with whatever. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I'm really curious about, like, I mean, right, right out the gate, I'm really curious about what has shaped your journey. What have been some, like, pivotal moments that was, like, set you off and you're like, I got to reclaim my voice. I got to do something here. I got to make some changes. Okay. So I think my, my earliest and the one that I'll always name is like my first big event in my life that shifted the trajectory is that my, in undergrad, I really wanted to be initially a guidance counselor. So like in this whole social work kind of realm, I wanted to be a guidance counselor because I had a really fantastic guidance counselor in middle school Mm-hmm. That was like really important to me. So I was like, let me do that. And so I did the thing, right? I was like, okay, you want to be a guidance counselor? You got to learn how people's brains work. And so I took this intro to psychology class and I did not do well at all. And I was like, I'm a pretty good, I'm a pretty good student, right? Like I try really hard. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like in that. Maybe that's not for me then. Like that's the flag that I kind of took. Mm-hmm. And then as part of like a general education credit, I had to take um, 
what they call diversity courses. And the one that I decided to choose was this intro to women's studies course, which mm. introduced me to like racism and sexism and heterosexism and heteronormativity and all this shit. And I was like, what is this? Like, what are all of these words that clearly explain my experience and the things that I saw as someone growing up in like West Bubblefuck, a very tiny white town when I was younger? And, and understanding that like there are class differences, there are there's ways in which my sexuality is different from my friends. And I just didn't have mm-hmm. any language to it. Right. But mm-hmm. this class gave me all of these words and was actually like, do you know about the personal political? Like all of our lived experience actually very much directly relate to the policies and practices and laws that are shaping the world. And like history isn't just a thing of the past, but like it's we're always creating history and the future mm-hmm. is always here. And so I feel like I owe that class so much to just having the language in terms of like, there are things that I felt like inside of me that were off, but I couldn't, I just could I didn't have the language for it. And so that Mm -hmm. class really gave me the language. And then it really gave me the opportunity to have examples of like, what does it look like to kind of shape some of this shit, right? That it's not just like, we are passive receptors. It's not just like, I, because I'm a woman, I just get catcalled on the street because I'm poor. It just means that I don't get access to other opportunities yeah right that it's like Mm -hmm. I get to do something and so immediately I was like y'all there's racism outside right and I was just like so (laughs) it's raining racism it's it's raining racism and I was like why is no one doing anything and so very much (laughs) empathize with the people who even maybe coming into social work or even school social work with like y'all there are problems the system is broken and like what do we do about it because I very very much know what that journey was like that's where I started too Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really can resonate with that because it was, uh, I didn't mess with school like at all. I think I was a a, a categorically mediocre student well Ooh. into high school. And then um, I went to a really, really small school where instead of like, I think it was like world history, we got sociology like it was like intro to sociology. Um, and that was the first class that like made sense to me. We learned about the very things that you're that you're mentioning. And, you know, being from Inglewood, I was like, all of wow. I I really felt like like the wool was pulled from my eyes. Um uh and that was that was a massive shift for me. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait, I can learn more about this. College mm. is a, college is an option. Wait a minute wait, wait, (laughs) I don't have to be a teen parent. Wait, I don't have to uh, get into crimes. Like, wait, I can do something different. There are options available to me. So um, yeah, that that was, that was pretty big for me. And then it's just been, it's been unraveling ever since. Um, But I, but I think going back to that example, that's why I'm so big on like, education as liberation education as liberation like that is the guiding force for us like the more the the more that we know is is like the better that we can do um and I know even sometimes I'll be like but sometimes I wish I could be ignorant I sometimes I wish I could unknow the things because it's like so heavy (laughs) and I want it to stop but I (laughs) I can't yeah. unknow the things. <laughs> um, I don't know if you ever feel that way. Um, it's just a lot. Yeah. I think I think the moment that I've been having recently, given what we're learning and seeing and all, I feel like holding mm-hmm. around what's happening in Palestine and all of us bringing our attention to it, that I'm just yeah. like, wow, there's been genocide and destruction and oppression and calamity and like, unnecessary can i cuss is there cussing on here okay you already okay. did all right oh shit okay good okay, i didn't even know that okay and just like <laughs> just 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 unnecessary like fuck shit and i'm just like mm-hmm. wow and that is just it's actually the norm and i think i just for me it's been so mm-hmm. interesting to then look back at my me as a young person right and being like even though my parents i was raised by my grandparents they weren't super political right but again the thing about oppression and injustice is like it's going to touch you whether or not you know the language for it whether or not you know about it there are effects of it right and I'm just Mm -hmm. like oh our migration story and our movement story and the ways in which certain things happened and trauma erupted in my life and my family that I'm just like oh all of this stuff has been happening in the background and I was just a kid and I had no idea and so for me it's just been a moment of like I'm seeing my childhood self and my childhood experience in a different way that I'm like, 
wow, all of this stuff was happening in the backdrop of their lives. And they didn't even know, probably, I could comprehend. Mm-hmm. Or they, the only thing that felt feasible was like, let me just focus on what, like this kid, like this baby Petra, like, and like just going to work. And I can't even fathom any of all this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of, um, I recently learned about this. It's like a skills development, like concept by, um, Leticia Nieto, um, Mm. where I, I like have, it's like a diagram. It's basically like a Russian doll effect, um, where there is like, let me, let me grab it so I can at least describe it. Mm -hmm. Um, so like essentially there's a difference between like power over power under the ideal is like a balance but that mm-hmm. has not been a thing uh, for as long as we can remember um and what you're getting at is like that very like survival denial indifference mentality where that's that's a but that's it's a safety thing i'm not like putting yeah. anyone down it's a safety mm-hmm. thing for a lot of people. Um, I can think of my own mother who like, ha- she just had to survive and she could not be occupied mentally, physically, or, or in any other way by all the external noise because her thing was like, I need to feed my children. And that is the priority, no matter what. <laughs> and so when we're stuck in that though, um, it's easy for people to be like, mm, I've never been oppressed. I've never experienced that or it, there is oppression, but mm, it's not my problem. So that's like the very inner layer of the Russian doll. And then if we add another one, um, there's like distancing or confusion. So in that distancing is like um, people who judge, who pass judgment and they say something like, oh, they uh, people criminals shouldn't resist arrest. So it's like almost legitimizing um, the state. Or militarization, mm-hmm. criminalization, right? Because it's a uh, again, it's an it's an othering, or yeah. it's a confusion of like mm, they're just being overly sensitive. It's really not that big a deal. So it's like all these layers, um, one after another after another. The top layers are around like solidarity and allyship and being an accomplice. But you don't just magically get there. Um, yeah. It takes a lot of work, a lot of educating, a lot of unlearning, relearning to get to a place where it's like, we acknowledge that we have a responsibility to heal and to contribute to collective liberation. And like, I am more than my own identities and I have a right to rest. Like it's that yes. And yes. And of, especially as like, you know, we're probably likely going to talk about it in emergent strategy of like, Things are so much more complicated than we realize. I just said a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the the one piece in there that I think is interesting, right? And part of the unlearning that you're alluding to is that we think like, okay, like not my monkeys. Like all of these issues are not my monkeys, and I actually have a more immediate focus. But I always think about like we're already gonna like from when I can imagine even myself saying this that like. Well, I think that if we were to operate in as a collective or to be like, how do I share my grievances with other people who also likely have grievances because we are alive and awake in the world? That I think we imagine that that process and, and communicating and organizing and creating decisions together and trying to move that energy somewhere takes longer. But I'm like, we're still going to spend that time being hella exhausted at work, hella frustrated with our condition. Hella, hella angry at someone and somebody that I'm like, mm-hmm. the time is going to be the same. It's just around like, how do you pay? How do you use your time? Which like emergent strategy tells us what you pay attention to grows. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, where are you putting your attention to? Right. Is it just like, I, there's nothing that I can do. And I was like, well, that may or may not be true, depending on all of these other factors that we're kind of naming. And again, I think it's like, in what layer of this doll are we in? And do we even know that we're inside one? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm also curious, like, I know it's so, it's so very impossible to pick, but like, do you have a favorite principle? Emergent strategy principle? Million dollar question. I know, I know it. I know it. Okay. Well, I think 
I think it would be this one. It's funny that you're asking because I thought about this one and not, again, this is very, it's the, the, this is approach is like anti-hierarchy, but I think that the one that for me hugs all of the others, that like, if you can only choose one um, and you've come to my play shop, you know, we talk about all of them, but if there's only one that you can take that I think people, people may not see the, the texturedness in it is the one that says less prep, more presence. Mm that I think all of the other ones kind of touch on what do you do with people? How do you respond when the, when the occasion arises? How do we build trust? Do we know how to break trust? But I'm like, none of that is possible unless we know how to be present, right? Unless we can, we know what are the things that help me get in this place, like help me see this place. Cause I think so many of us in that first part of the principle the less prep, so many of us are like, well, we just, we didn't plan good enough, right? Like we didn't prepare for this. Like, what's that quote? And I'm really thinking about like all the quotes that I want to debunk. That's like, when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> not if you got presence on your side, right? Because that's mm-hmm. been my experience. That like, if I if I can do enough, right, to be like, here's the structure, here's the process, here's what I'm coming into, and having an awareness of that. But do I know, like, can I read other people's bodies, right? Not in a hyper vigilant trying to keep myself safe, but like in a I know that person is learning to read their bodies and Mm -hmm. want to, yeah, I want to be someone who can help people in that process. And so how am I doing that? Right? Like, this conversation is unnerving people. Do we know how to come back to equilibrium? Or is this a place that we just need to pause? Is this a skill that we need to build? And like, none of that would be possible if we didn't tune into presence, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so many choices we can't see, options we can't even opt or consider because you just don't have the presence, right? And mm-hmm. some of it is the reasonings that you're naming around, like, there's so much of this stuff happening. And you're like, okay, let me just choose one thing, right? But then, like, I named my, again, inspired by emerging strategy of business, create more possibilities, because I'm like, well, what's the one possibility that will get you more possibilities? Right? Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes we choose the option that actually just gives us that option. But I'm like, what will, what will allow for something else to happen? And I'm like, for me, less prep, more presence has been that and I'm like if I can just be present like let me give an hour of my full attention to this meeting let me give in 15 minutes of my full attention to someone telling me about how their weekend went let me give 47 minutes to being really angry <laughs> at this and give it my fullest energy you know yeah. what could that shift me for the other people that I'm in a relationship with yes yeah, absolutely I love that. And it reminds me of like the, you know, going back to the, to this, I'm, I'm taught, I'm calling it a Russian doll. Cause that's just, I feel like that's just what makes the most sense. They all makes sort of sense. collapse mm-hmm. into each other. They don't exist like in isolation. Sometimes we can go back into the smallest doll. Sometimes we grow out into the biggest doll. Mm. So that's what, that's how it makes sense in, in my cabecita. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so like, so the, the third Russian doll is the is like when we pass the threshold of like power under over to power with is like this middle ground of like what we what we socially consider empowerment and inclusion um but in that space there's like a lot of cancel culture that can happen Mm -hmm. a lot of canceling that can happen of like um if I don't show up in a certain way um then I'm going to like get canceled by XYZ group or there's a lot of performance that can happen because against there's like, again, there's like that shame and blame and judgment. And essentially like we're replicating the very things that we want to be dismantling, which is like this Mm -hmm. weird complicated thing. Um, So, you know, we can hear people say like, you know, this is wrong. We have to do something about it. And they're activated. And obviously we want them to be in that space, but like to what end? Cause mm-hmm. that activation can also lead to burnout. Mm-hmm. So like it's a delicate balance. Right. Um, so yeah, I, it reminds me very much of that. Um, less, less prep, more presence because, um, we're not always going to have the right things to say. And mm-hmm. my personal favorite is move at the speed of trust. Um, and it, that's just like, it just gets all, it makes me all warm and fuzzy because mm-hmm. it's just so good. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like above all my, 
what what I'm perceiving in the world is such a crisis of uh, is, is is a relational crisis. We are so yeah. deeply disconnected, and there's no way that we're gonna make changes if we can't even like come to trust one another. Without mm-hmm. that, like, where are we going to move? And so I also mm-hmm. think a lot about in movement spaces that pressure to perform and to be present in a certain way to accommodate or to like make other people happy when like just being present is enough. Mm -hmm. Um, That's like a weird tension there. Yeah. Can I share a story to that point? Yes. Yeah. So I'm thinking about, um, I feel like a cousin, I feel like they're all cousins. Like this is a whole family (laughs) of like mantras and beliefs and systems. (laughs) Yes. But the cousin for me, um, they're like closely related, move at the seat of trust is related to, there's a conversation in this room that only these people can have find it. And mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. In, the, in terms of the play and the inquiry and the curiosity, I'm always like, what should we be talking about? Right? Like we have an agenda, but what should we actually talk about? And the then you named around performance. So I wanted to share this story about a moment of like, I think when presence converges, when, uh, trust is like a vehicle for intervention and building can like collide um I remember a time I think this was like a few years ago at like this last organization I was working at and me and the other folks in the leadership staff had to do like our report app right like I'm sure you know you're like okay everyone share Mm -hmm. what's the update and what do we do right because we don't want to look like jackasses and we don't want to look ridiculous in front of anyone else we lie right we're just like everything's great everything is on to task I am on (laughs) my timeline Right. And I'm just like, I'm not with it. I'm not with it. And so I'm sitting here listening to all of my colleagues be like, yeah, everything's great. Like we're, we're on time, all this other stuff. And I'm like, I don't, we're not, we're not on time. Right. Okay. I'm having some issues, but I will get it together. But just this meeting is not where I'm going to have it together. Just not this very moment. Just not this very moment. Like give, give me some fucking time. And so I shared, that was my, my share out. Right. And just like, again, thinking about like, what's the, what's the presence that I need to have to be like, this is the truth within me. This feels like a truth that needs to be spoken. And I'm willing to take the consequences from this truth, right? Because the thing about truth is that there's, there's a risk associated. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's the risk with change and healing. There's a risk. And so I share this out. And to my surprise, all of my other colleagues were like, actually, yeah, like, I'm also behind. I also had some questions. And I think once before this, because I'm someone that I'm like thinking about move at the speed of trust. And I'm like, okay, how are we always building trust? I was like, y'all, why did we lie to each other? We agreed that this would be a space that we would be transparent and honest with each other. And we still got stuck in it. We got Mm -hmm. stuck in the same performances and behaviors that we say we hate from other meetings. But this is just us. Why are we performing for each other? And that became the conversation we had around like, shoot, we did that. We said Mm -hmm. we weren't going to do that. And here we are. Now we have to talk about it. Like, for, yeah. so for me, I was like, that was the conversation we needed to have. And actually, like, whatever was on the agenda, it's going to get done because of people that we care. And there's like, we have responsibility and we're like ethical and committed to the work. But this is really the conversation that we needed to have around, like, we made a commitment to each other. We broke that commitment, like, through no fault of our own. But mm-hmm. like, what do, how do we address it? How do we bring yeah. it up to life? Right. That so was like, this was the conversation to have. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the thing about this stinking concept of capitalism is that time is finite, mm-hmm. or at least that's what we're, we're taught. Right. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of these principles is that through practice and like through collective practice specifically, mm-hmm. the work will be done. The work will yeah. emerge, dare I say, it'll emerge <laughs> eventually. Like it just will. Um, and speaking of the work emerging, the work also emerges through gossip. <laughs> mm. Gossip ain't all that bad. <laughs> speaking of having having um having those necessary conversations, like sometimes the cheesement like will lead to activation. Sometimes it will like get that ball rolling and like, you're like, oh, wait, you peep that too. Like we need to have a conversation and that's, and, but that's how it, that's how it begins. Like people get stirred and like, but for the, for, again, for like, for those reasons of working toward, um, that liberation, um, we're just trying to like 
you know, tread lightly and figure out like what steps need to be made. And, you know, I think it's, it's done with care. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) I love that we're here. (laughs) I do too. Um, I also really want to hear about what it's like to, you know, I mean, obviously you're a social worker. What is it like to, um, be a, a, um, a, you run your own business. What am I saying? Business owner. You're, you own a business. Yeah. yeah. An entrepreneur. Dara. Yeah. What's that like? Like, yeah. What is it all like? That, that just yeah. sounds like, I mean, I know that a lot of people do it obviously, but it just, in my mind, it seems like so, so difficult. So I'm happy to hear what you have to say. Yeah. It is. Don't let anybody tell you differently. I feel like sometimes in the internet streets that I have been in, they're like, well, you know, your job fucking sucks. Just like build your own business. And it's like, baby, those are a whole set of skills. Like there are a lot of skills that I use in my nine to five that cross over into my business, but also there's lots of things that do not. And so there's like, it just feels like there's also like lots of learning and growth. But I think There's one thing that maybe you've heard as well that people say about being um, an entrepreneur is that it's its own self-development journey because so much of your stuff around like how you spend your time, whether or not you shame or shit on yourself for how you spend your time, whether or not people like you or engage with their stuff, like all of that stuff comes up in the process of you trying to like serve and offer this little seedling of an idea that you had which is how I think about my my business it's like these are all little seeds that I'm trying to water Mm. and I'm like do you like this plant and like you're just gonna meet some people that don't like your plant they're like I rather Mm -hmm. burgers you know like (laughs) I'm like I just have a tulip (laughs) and so that and getting into the process of like how do I how do I not let those messages dictate to me that I shouldn't be doing this thing which again Mm -hmm. it feels like another another layer possibly around this Russian doll piece, right? That's like, you're going to have evidence from external factors that may make it seem to you that you shouldn't be doing this thing that you're thinking about, that there's, it's not possible for you to do it in the way that you'd like to. People talk about having a values aligned business and we're like, nope, you just have to be like a capitalist and you have to like go really hard and you have to overexert yourself in order to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And I can see ways in which that has worked with some people, but I think the thing around probably people that listen to this podcast and you and I is like, well, we're not trying to take the paved way, right? Like that paved way leads to all of the things that we're like, why, why are things this way? Mm -hmm. And so while there isn't that pathway, I feel like entrepreneurship has just been another, another exercise in me, like developing my voice deeper, like me developing and taking time into like what kinds of relationships I want to have. And so I think again, your, your point around like, the moving at the speed of trust that I'm like as an entrepreneur with not a lot of time or capacity because that this is not in me then I need to make choices around like well then who I want to spend my time with right and today that's like Angela Montijo I want to spend my time with right and those <laughs> kinds of decisions that like as someone who runs your own thing you get to make those right that it's yeah. not like your boss Monica, who's like, you need to be at this meeting at 9am. You set these meetings. You decide how you want to talk about your offers. You decide when it is that you want to do this stuff. And I think it's just provided for me just a level of ownership and agency that I didn't even know could be possible in my lifetime, which is Mm -hmm. very exciting. But also, the shit is fucking hard. So Yeah. And you do it differently. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so, um, you know, obviously, I said already, I went to one of your play shops. And, you know, the fact that you have such a way, I would say, like a magical way of, of weaving together, like anti oppression, healing and playfulness, like, the thing that you did with the filters, like everyone's gonna put on a filter, I couldn't figure mine out. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> I couldn't figure mine out, but I was like so thrilled to like, you know, be in a space where people were like playing, you know, and I just, um, when did we, I don't know why we lost that along the way to like not play, but, um, it's just heartbreaking. Um, mm-hmm. I also, that would also really like just ugh, beat me up when, um, 
uh, students would lose like those those privileges um, as a consequence or punishment for this, that or the third. And I'm like, mm-hmm. they need to play, though. So like make it make sense. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, why that's I just think it it, go, it goes back to like what do we value, right? That we're like, what are those hard skills? Is this is this thing leading immediately to an outcome? We as a this this current society, right? Because I'm like we're operating in this dimension. I don't know about other dimensions, but in right. this dimension, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes, that stuff is not appreciated, right? And so of course, like kids are going to get this backlash. Of course, adults are going to get this backlash, and then even like. Something as small as like a, a Zoom filter could be like, wow, shoot, what what would a Zoom filter do for me, right? Like, I don't remember if the one that a play shop you came to, but somebody did like an avatar, right? And I'm just thinking about like the person who's an introvert or doesn't share a lot, like how much more would they be able to share if they didn't have to look at their face on the screen? Like they could just mm-hmm. look at this beautiful ass horse because they love horseback riding. <laughs> how What would they say, right? And, and like, there's a story just, to be told. Yeah. And we just kind of dismiss all of these things as like childish and like it's a costume and it's not. But, but for me, I'm like, oh, that's accessibility. But that's like, how how do we how mm-hmm. are we scaffolding and making it more possible for people to like inter- interact and engage, like come as you are. But then what does that really look like? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I imagine that has a lot to do with like your intersecting identities. Like, how does that show up in, in the work that you do? Because I'm I'm positive that all informs it. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think kind of like I shared back when I was learning about like systems of oppression and mm-hmm. me being able to self-identify in these these labels around being queer and like I describe myself as a radical social worker. I'm like, don't remove the part that talks about the group. I'm like, thank you, Angela Davis, for giving us that language around <laughs> what does it mean to be radical. Um And I think also being like someone who's an introvert and I was just sharing with someone that I like have social anxiety and actually like public speaking is not my jam. And they were so surprised by this because I'm also someone who's like, y'all, we got a problem. Like, I don't think that we should. (laughs) But like, that is a learned skill. And so when I Mm -hmm. hear people that are like, oh, I could never. And I'm like, it's going to take some time. But I'm like, I just, I cannot, I, I do not live in the kind of world that I can't imagine that people can change. Right. And so and so what that says to me is like, oh, how does how does what I'm talking about today, it may shift later on. And do I let that be okay, right? Versus like around some of the messaging you get as like a business owner. I feel like even as a person, people really shit on people who change. You're like, oh, you're different. You change. Like, but I'm like, we're growing. Like evolution mm-hmm. is part of the process, right? Like mm-hmm. we got butterflies out here that started out as little poo-poos and all that. Like that's the natural way of the world. <laughs> natural way of the world right but it's like how 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 much is change accessible to all of us right or like Mm -hmm. or do we require to stay in one kind of way and so for me that's just like how do I show up to my life and my business around like in my shift I might be talking about something today that's not the same as tomorrow and I think particularly as someone who I don't I don't have any chronic illness but I can totally feel that I'm like I'm gonna get them I'm gonna get them in a few years I already have like there's some things (laughs) Mm-hmm. I'm like my capa- my energetic capacity is super low. And so then it means like, I can't, I can't be having all these damn means. Right. And so it means then that in order for me to show up with the best of what I got, it's meant that I've had to exert boundaries for myself and for other people. And I'm even thinking about like, there's this one person who I was doing their podcast on and they're like, yeah, I'd love you to come on um, next week. And I was like, that's going to be a hard pass. That's going to be a no go for me, sir. That's going to need to be in a few months. Like, I- <laughs> Right, but the way I think about it, especially with like capitalism and sense of urgency, all this other stuff, I'm just like, well, shoot, like opportunities mm-hmm. are coming at me. Like, if I don't, if not on the ball, I'm gonna miss them. And I'm just like, I'm not agreeing to believe that like what is for me is gonna miss me. Like, if that's the case, like if it's a little no, that's gonna like turn people off. Then I'm like, oh, then we're not. Then it's okay. It's not for me then. And so, yeah. what's also the acceptance with the presence that I can be like alive and awake to my my life that says like okay if I'm supposed to do something it may not be right now and so then how do I develop my own patience and how do I be able to communicate well enough to people that like I would love to do this thing with you and also the way that my body is set up like that's just not gonna happen today yeah 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 I um so I about two years ago was diagnosed with lupus um Mm. and 
just out of nowhere, honestly. Like, I was not really, I had no, for, uh, first of all, what even is lupus? Like, what question marks? My I have so many. That's why I know about, like, ooh, that's a, that's a good one. That's really <laughs> hot. <laughs> it is, mm-hmm. Yes. All I know yep. is that my hair was falling out. <laughs> Like wild. I go to a dermatologist. Mm-hmm. Dermatologist is like, mm, your hair and your scalp look just fine. We need to go inward. Do a blood panel. And then the 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 markers were like just out the roof. Um, at that time, mm-hmm. I was still a school social worker. And um, once I got in to see a rheumatologist, she was like, you need to understand that like your lifestyle is making your health far worse you either make some changes or you're just not going to get any better. You're going to get worse. So the choice is yours. And I was like, Oh God damn it. (laughs) So really that's what like, that's what prompted, um, uh, my departure from school social work. Um, I definitely miss it. Do I miss the stress and the hustle and bustle of it? Absolutely not. Um, but I name that because it's a it's a very for real thing. Um, I think mm-hmm. that we are like very much conditioned to like go, go, go just on all the time. Um, just how you said, like these opportunities are coming our way. Like we got to take every one of them. It doesn't matter um, how little sleep or rest you get. Like there's the whole saying, like people don't remember nights of sleep, you know, um, and that is just so detrimental to our health. Um, and even further, just today, <laughs> I go see another rheumatologist because I'm like going to another clinic, uh, a new one, hmm. um, getting established and all that. And I'm telling him about like, you know, I've in, in general, like the the lupus symptoms have decreased. I'm not taking nearly as many steroids. So that's awesome. But Good like, you. dude, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I really feel like when I get up in the morning, I feel like I like I hit by a bus. Like I don't. It doesn't matter how much rest I get. I feel just so tired all the time. Sometimes I'm like forgetting stuff. I feel pain all the time. And he's like, yeah. it's giving fibromyalgia. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, get out of here. What another right. thing? Like get out of right. here. You're doing too much. You're just yeah, parale. Like you're doing yeah. too much. <laughs> Telling me stuff. So like, yeah, like, like I came here to chill and now I'm feeling so attacked. Like just leave me alone. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I, I guess I'm saying this to, to get to the point that like, in, in a sense, these illnesses or diseases are blessings, um, because they're really forcing me to pick myself over anything else. Um, and note to school social workers, like, please pick yourself over everything else. Like there's only one you and we need you, you know? Um, so that's the, that's the soapbox. (laughs) Yeah. And I think about just like how many, how many of our parents and ancestors and people who had probably similar issues, right? Like, I don't know anything about lupus or fibromyalgia, but I'm also like thinking about stories that I've heard of people who there's like particular things that are like in our epigenetics and in our ancestry, right? That people had to like fucking go, right? Yeah. And for those of us that maybe have either different social supports or maybe have a little bit of access to some monies in some kind of way or some kind of like bucket, some kind of holding something mm-hmm. that we can be like, yeah, I, I can do one less day of work right or like I can I can not take this one meeting right and like that that wouldn't shatter like my livelihood and my sustenance but like would be so fantastic and I just think about the ripple effect of that of like for the for those other people that came before us that could not do any of those things like like I give gratitude to that too to be like I'm taking a nap for all of us like for everyone who can't take a nap because I fucking need a nap but also like how does this become (laughs) how can I throw out some rays of like May this rest like reach the people that it that it needs to reach, mm-hmm. and like let it encourage people to like say no to something, ask for something, to let people be there for them, to create communities of people to be there for them, right? Because like, I agree with you around this being like got a relationship problem, right? And just like how many of us are isolated by circumstance, by politics, by whatever that we can't have these moments of rest. Like, mm-hmm. how do we change that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I wonder 
like, because obviously you you mentor um, BSWs, MSWs. How much of this, I imagine, like you lead from this place of like, mm-hmm. uh, it's such an opportunity to influence, right? Yeah. Um, do you get to have these conversations with your mentees? What are those like? Yeah. So I was just thinking about this in the shower. I was washing my hair and then I'm thinking about <laughs> one of my students <laughs> and how the way that capitalism kind of shows up in New York through the social work, like hours, board of education kind of board kind of deal is that mm. all of the students are really, really worried about getting enough internship hours. Right. And so we had a student yesterday who homeboy was not looking or sounding well. And we're like, go dude, like, go home, don't show up, go home, right? And it's just like, I wanted to finish some stuff, right? Like all of us, because we care, right? Either we are well-intentioned and we have big care. We want to be do right by the people that are assigned for us to work with, or we may not have those boundaries. We may not have those skills to like ask for a day or like we're worried about this, this hours thing, right? And so it was important for me when I started this job a few months ago that I, when I talked to the other person who also supervises students that I was like, I will lie for them. Like, I'd rather them have a day off. I will lie. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Honestly. And I'm like, I don't know about y'all, but we don't get paid. Like, students don't get paid mm-hmm. to do all of these hours. And I'm like, they're already not getting paid. I They're already learning so early on. And some of them are like early 20s, mid 20s, just came out of undergrad. I don't want them to learn that practice here. I don't yeah. want them to say, Petra was like, yep, Petra had me grinding. I was up in there, y'all mocos and flema. And no, yeah, not no, on my watch. No, like, I want no. you to learn that never, but you damn sure not going to learn that here. Not on your so watch. So that's one example. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about, like, with another student who are trying to figure out their schedule. And they're like, okay, well, I want to make sure I see these students. And I was like, love that. We want to make sure we see the kids are we need, we're, we're assigned to. And they're like, okay, so it just means, like, this day I don't have lunch. And I was like, over my dead body. I will not. I will This will I, and it's just like for me, with those of us that have are get into these like places with like tiny pieces of power, then I just like want to help us see all of these tiny places of power because easily I could have not had this conversation, right? Because part of the conversation requires that you know where my own beliefs and values lie around breaks and having lunch and sustenance. Mm-hmm. You need to know that that's important to me, and then I need to now ask you how is that not important? Or in what ways is like these external systems clouding the importance of it for you? And then three, we need to move to a place where you agree with me that I'm like, no, <laughs> you can, you're not well, you should not be here. You need to have lunch or at least a fucking break. We're already not paying you. And then <laughs> yeah. four, we need to move to the action part, right? And so I mm-hmm. also just want to acknowledge as we, as we just move from a conversation around like energy and capacity and the way my body wakes up in the morning is that like, yeah, it requires a bit of a process, right? Like that's a four-part process just to be like, go home, right? If you want, for me, if you want to like go through the stages, then we need to like do all of that work. But for me, I'm like, that's the right work, right? Like emergent strategy, there's always enough time for the right work. Yes. I'm always thinking about like, what's right right now? And what's right right now is that you have lunch. What's right right now is that you have a break and that you remember that someone in your professional career told you to go home. Because nobody never told me to go home. Mm-mm. Nobody told me. Nobody asked me, do you eat? I asked, did you eat? Did you have a yeah. break today? Mm-hmm. You look stressed. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to hug? Like, what are those things that we didn't have? That it, they yeah. can say no, right? They usually say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, like, get I'm away good. from me. I'm like, it's okay. <laughs> right. I was like, it's okay. But I want you to know that someone, someone is asking. Like, do we uh-huh. even ask? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, quick reframe. Is it necessarily a lie or is it just stretching the truth? <laughs> right. I don't care. Either or. I'm still, I'm like, I am on your side. What do you need from me? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so I, aside from, so that's your, correct me if I'm wrong, that is your, like, your mentoring BSWs, MSW, that is your technically like nine to five. My day job. So mm-hmm. your day job. So like, can you help mm-hmm. me? And these, this all happens within the context of school social work. It mm-hmm. it's it sounds like you're um, you know, uh, it does it doesn't sound like you have a traditional school social work job is what I'm getting at, right? Yes. So yeah. help help me understand. Explain it like I'm five. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
So in the role that I'm at now, and this is a role that I've had before, the and it's like real, it's real problematic. So I'm like, that's also part of like, we get in where we fit in. And then how yes. do we change the shit once you're like, okay, I've seen enough, you know? Yes. Um, there are, and I don't know if this is like this by you, but I've been part and I've seen a number of organizations that primarily operate off student labor. Like the way in which. <laughs> yeah, you too. Yeah. No, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. I'm like mm-hmm. part of a of an organizing group around changing salaries, which is like somewhat connected to this group around organizing for students to get paid for for internship hours. It's yeah. a problem. And I'm like, this yeah. is and I think as a business owner that I'm like, oh, this is a bad business model, but it's highly fucking profitable. Yes. And also with people who have like social justice values. And I'm like, Make it make sense, people. Make it yes, make sense. Yes, yes. But so in my in my role, I provide direct supervision so that we can bridge the gap between what they're learning in school and what the, the work that they're doing with young people. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. And this is like, wow, that sounds awesome. <laughs> it's very, it has like, a, a, and like, I think to, to the conversation you had or the, the point you mentioned around like chismas and gossiping, like I was just thinking uh-huh. about the other day around like, oh, I can't wait to see what shit we talk in the office today, right? Because there's always like, it always starts as a grievance. And then there's a long process as I'm like, and I, I'm, all, I'm always thinking about the body and like what needs to be processed. I'm like, well, we need to go through like, I need to talk about my shit, right? And some of, some of the shit that I talk about was like, this is a bad business model. Yeah. We are not paying people for their labor. This is a fucking problem. And also I'm a cog in the wheel. And like, do I want to be a smooth cog in the wheel? Do I want to be a prickly cog in the wheel? And at least I'm gonna be a prickly cog in the rail. Like, I'm going to be turning, but that shit's going to hurt every time it turns. <laughs> and so for me, that looks like, okay, what does it look like to advocate for these students? What does it look like to advocate for, like, the best kind of education, training, professional development for these students so that they can be the best supports for these black and brown babies, you know? Mm-hmm. And what are the organizational conditions that we can make some uh, advocacy and some changes over now that we have demonstrated that we like give a shit and are capable, right? That I'm just always thinking about like, what's this trifecta and very emergent strategy that I'm like, I'm also very strategic. I know what I'm here to do. And I'm going to, just now that I'm like, yep, I'm going to be a very pokey cog in the wheel. Like I'm in it. I'm going to let you pay me for my labor because somebody's got to, but also make you mad while I'm doing it. (laughs) And I'm going to work through my own anger (laughs) through it as well. Like, what are they going to do? Fire me? (laughs) Yeah, spoken, (laughs) spoken, right. It's not not possible. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's spoken like a, like a true prickly disruptor. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah. So how was Create More Possibilities LLC? Gotta, gotta add that in there. I just feel like it's such a baddie thing. Like, I have an LLC. Ooh. Um, How was it born? Like. Just give me the creation story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually, this kind of came from, and we're just like weaving all of the other places that we've landed. This came from my <laughs> my desire around like, how do I create change and not leave the house because of my own <laughs> capacity and needs? And mm-hmm. I'm like, how do I fuck shit up? But also I don't want to leave the house. And that's yes. literally been like the overlap of me figuring out in what ways can I be part of movement that doesn't... Because I was it requiring me to be on the front lines? Because I was like, I've done that work. Also, not the best place for me. But mm-hmm. I'm like, can to do it? I can train other people to do it. But that's not my place. And so, what is my place? Um, and so, I've actually been trying to like figure that out. And so, initially, this business idea or like someone's got to pay me something that's not my nine to five started as like a virtual assistant. That I was like, oh, I can I can get shit done. That's why I'm like, again, the strategic part of it, the like moving people through a process, getting things done. That started that way and then once I did I tried that for a little bit and that really didn't get off the ground because I they get me I get into a job and then they, they the honeymoon phase gets me Angela okay they be loving up on me real quick and I'll be like what tell me about your equity values okay they get me and then I start seeing it for real real and I'm like you lied to me you know and, then, oh <laughs> and so then I'm back on the bandwagon and so it's taking me a few iterations yeah. to be like oh no I need to I need to branch out and like water the seedling of an idea that I have that I'm like and and through my own experimentation around like some of the things that I've named in this podcast around like okay does it have to be this way do I have to hoard power 
Do I have yeah. to um like lead in a way that like tramples people? Do I have to be fake and performative? Do mm-hmm. I have to act like I have it together? Like all of these things that I challenge through the ways in which I want to support people in their leadership now is the stuff that I do in my business. But I have to do that work first, right? That I had to create my own evidence for like there was something else possible, right? And I and I had to see and feel that other people could see the effect of that too, right? Because who am I trying to be out here saying that I can help you with your own leadership or your own organization when I haven't even done my own trials and tribulations of that work? And so that felt really important for me to do. And then really the thing that got me to be like, okay, I need to head out at least for a little break, which is what I call it my working sabbatical, the year and a half that I, (laughs) when I left my last job. It's real, it's real. But I was like, I really needed that when I, when I left my last job and then did like just my business for like a year, a year and a half, I think it was. Um, the the thing that took me over the edge was that, um, I don't know if you know, I can't remember who the organization is, but they created this whole uh, diagram about the problem woman of color. Have you seen this? It's like they, the woman of color enters an or- a white organization the white you have to say okay so I'm like I'm a little no, painted a little bit but I'm like yeah. tell me because I feel like this yeah. is gonna make perfect yeah. sense it's good so it's like this an organization kind of I guess like talked to lots of had lots of conversations and saw like what happens and then labeled this like problem woman of color syndrome and I'm like damn I've been that girl for so long so the thing is that a woman of color comes into a predominantly white led leadership organization they come into the organization, the leadership really loves this person, the person gets acclimated into the into the organization, starts to see that like, y'all ain't are all the way what you say you are, right? People are like, we really care about diversity, equity is really important, we want to be transparent. And then the problem woman of the, the woman of color is starting to ask questions. And we're like, actually, this you said this, but this is what's happening. And then the white leadership gets real mad at the problem woman of color. And then they so they start targeting her and trying to to debunk and de-pedestaled some of her positions because people are like, wait a minute, we've never seen that. We've never thought about that, right? Because like, it's going to be women of color. It's going to be disabled people. It's going to be trans and non-binary people that are leading the revolution because we just be seeing shit mm-hmm, other people mm-hmm, not seeing. Mm-hmm. And discerning. so this woman of color is discerning. And so this woman of color is coming through the organization, asking all these questions. And what the exit is, is that the white leadership fires this person or makes it so fucking uncomfortable to be there that they leave on their own terms. And I've had, I've been that person that has left on those terms through that process. And I've had so many friends also do that. And so the last place that I left that I was like, oh, y'all about to, oh no, y'all about to get me. Oh no, no, no. So. <gasps> oh my yep. God. And so that happened. And the way that I was like, and again, thinking about like, how am I taking my own tiny risk? What's the data that, the data that I'm gathering around the ways that I want to leave? And so I was like, okay, y'all had me fucked up, like real fucked up. And I want to make sure that this leaves a lasting impact. And Mm -hmm. so I wasn't the only one that had my grievances. It also was like seeing some stuff. It was a predominantly women of color staff and the ones that I was supervising um, and working with closely. And so we all decided to leave at the same time. And so we left the organization with just two other people. And like, I did a whole... I, and I and my stake in the ground was emailing like my exit interview with like all of the things that I said were the problems and all the ways in which I tried to create change and just being like, tell my story, like tell my story though. <laughs> just to be clear, because that we lose so much of that um, when people leave, particularly people who actually give a shit about the organization, give a shit about the work, actually are trying to aim to be values aligned we lose so much of that historical knowledge because people need to go people got to protect themselves people got lives and shit to build and i'm not gonna let you get me but also i'm like Mm -hmm. what happened and who's gonna tell our story and i was i was like i'm gonna tell my story Mm -hmm. i refuse for other people to say how it is that i showed up in this place (laughs) yeah i'm so proud of you oh my god This okay. I'm. I had so many reactions. Um, because okay. It's a so I, I. I know. I. My first job moving here to Austin, I was uh, running a family resource center for a nonprofit organization, and it was very that. It was very. You know, everyone's like a big fan of me, and I feel so good. And I'm like, wow, they really respect me. Like they really like me. Oh my gosh, wow. And but that wore off like. I think I was there for maybe a year. Yeah. Um, and that wore off my, and I, and I influenced a lot of people to leave 
Um, Because I was like, y'all are noticing this, right? And then there we go, that cheese man, right? That cheese man. They're like, actually, yeah, but we just don't even, yeah, no one ever really says anything about it. So it's whatever. And I'm like, it's not whatever. It's not whatever. Like, speak up. We, we're, we're, you know, like, hormiguitas here. Like, if if we gather <laughs> in numbers, we're powerful. Um, uh, but nothing, not much changed. Um and so, yeah, my move was to like, I was like, effective immediately. <laughs> I <Aww>. quit. <laughs> I am done. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, for all of these reasons, and it was like bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, yeah. bullet point. And I emailed it to like all of the, uh, the, the leadership team, along with like the superintendents of the, of the school district that we were based out of, along with all of like the school partners that I had been in touch with. And I was like, just so everybody knows. Um, and up until but you so notice that 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 started apparently started the practice of exit interviews at this organization. They hadn't done them before. I was the first to get an ex- exit interview. And the person who did an exit interview for me was like, I know that you didn't ask for my advice, but just so you know, you should be more careful when you do stuff like that, because people know your name. And they will always remember your name. And I was like, sure. Okay. I'm going to take that for what it's, I'm going to take that for what it's worth. So go into now school social work. I ended up obviously leaving that and it was on good terms, not nearly as, as bombastic as that first one. Um, But I do distinctly remember having my interview for my current role. And that first interview, they were like, so why are you looking for like, why are you looking for work? Like, what's what's got you here? And I so, so clearly remember while you were speaking, it was like, it washed over me. I said, like, I'm a troublemaker in the interview. I was like, you have to know that I am, I'm not afraid of conflict. I'm not afraid to speak up. And people have a problem with that. So like, I'm not going to go around like purposely antagonizing and instigating, but like, if I notice something, I am going to say something. So just, just hire, if you hire me, you, ya tu sabes, do what you want with that information. But that's, that's not, that's not on me. I'm not responsible for it. Um, so they hired, they hired me anyway. There you <laughs> go. That's <laughs> I think we should, I love that we're having this conversation because I'm like, I actually think the organizations don't recognize how much of an asset we are. I'm like, you want to have troublemakers because I am pointing out the stuff to you that probably other people don't want you to see. And Mm -hmm. it's not um, thinking about phrases, right? I'm thinking about the phrase lately, the rebel without a cause. We have so many fucking causes, actually, you know? (laughs) And just like that, that I'm like you, but the, the, I think part of the, the reason that people don't like it is some of the the politics of tone policing. It's a little bit of respectability politics and the white professionalism mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because then people need to, you need to then pay attention to the ways in which you have not spoken. And that's painful, right? Yes. The fact that like I can, I can name and articulate and see the through line of bullshit fuckery that either you can or you can't verbalize <laughs> is painful, you know? Yes. And I'm like, we need to do the work, y'all. We got to do the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All with the intention of liberating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not in here, like, trying to be disruptive or mess things up just to piss people off just for the sake right. of it. For it's like, no, nah, I'm always, yeah, that's not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not fun mm-hmm. for me. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, all with all Hell with that you. goal, with all the goal in mind. Um Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. I hope people <laughs> listen to this. And when people are like, you can't be, you can't really say what you want during interviews. Mm-hmm. I had a, a similar sentiment that I was like, you know, I'm gonna come up in here. But you know, we need to go, we have to figure out this, this student intern issue, right? Like they at least need to get paid very soon. Yes. Or we need this need to not be the pre- business structure, right? And mm-hmm. that there is because I, I always think about like, what's the evidence, right? That people are like, that stuff doesn't happen. I'm like, you just heard two stories, two stories yeah. just tonight. About just two right here. That now you know. Yeah. That like mm-hmm. it was possible and something else happened, right? It's not to say that the other thing couldn't happen and you don't get the job and people are like, fuck you and all this other stuff. But here are two stories that you now know mm-hmm. as you're thinking about, should I say the thing? Here's two stories you have now. 
say the thing. And if going back mm-hmm. to what you said, if the opportunity is right for you, it will it will land. And if mm-hmm. it's not for you, then there there are c- come on now. There are so many other <laughs> roles. There are so many other roles. Just find another one and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, I, I think about like the amount of pressure that I felt to like land somewhere um, mm-hmm. as a as a baby social worker. Um, mm-hmm. And now I'm like, whoever will have me will have me just as I am. And let that be that. Hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're lucky to have you. But I'm like, I Thank feel like you. we... And I get it, right? That there's capitalism and we got feet, mouths to feed. I got a cat. Yes. I get it. Stuff is expensive. <laughs> but also, like, <laughs> we have things to pay for. I get it. And also, we are giving our labor to these places. Mm-hmm. And I always think about, like, another another modeling for my students. I was like, come back at me when you need to negotiate. And I'm like, even if the salary is, I don't give a shit. Like, they should know that you're just not going to take anything. That you're yeah. going to go back and forth. You're going to advocate for yourself. That you know your not even that your your worth is predicated on your salary but just like for me it's in the practice that I I just like to know that I can exercise my voice and just to see what the the implications of that is and sometimes yes. that 5k is 10k it's whatever that it's yeah. just for me that's the play right it's like if I say something what might happen let's just experiment right and that might get you a little something that you didn't even imagine and so for me it's always like yeah I'm grateful that you give me money but also I give you my body and depending on how many years I give you, my mind so much and time my soul, get. Mm-hmm. and my my body and my soul, and my be- mm-hmm. and my best ideas. If this is a place that I really want to exercise, what my best ideas look like in practice? Yeah, I mean, I'm. This is this. I don't know that it's um an equal relationship, but it's definitely not just. Oh, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Where I feel right. like so many of us, probably social workers, feel that way. I'm like just so grateful, and I'm like, great gratitude is beautiful, and also, <laughs> you you. And you have agency and power yes. and there's like, you also come with a whole host of things that isn't just like this person paying you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <sighs> oh my gosh. I just, I, you know what? <laughs> I just knew going into this, I was like, my, my consciousness cup is going to be overflow, overfilled. <laughs> Run it over, collected. <laughs> just. <laughs> Oof. I love it so much. I really, genuinely, I was like really looking forward to this conversation because I was like, I just know we're going to go in. Um, so um, <laughs> I appreciate you. This has been so, so wonderful. Tell the people where they can find you. Tell the people how they connect with you. Yes, please, please, please come say hi on Instagram. That's where I like to play and try things out and see what people think and see what I think, right? Just like being a last my own experience. I'm at create more possibilities and I'm a yeah. I'm a DM you and say hi because I like to be like who the fuck is this so say hi say hi when you click that follow button <laughs> don't be Tell a bot where you came from. <laughs> <laughs> well that's all that's all we got for now if mm-hmm. you're I mean you're more than welcome to to join me again when you are when you are ready for it um and when I'm ready for it obviously too mm-hmm. it's mutual um and yeah but for now I think that'll that'll wrap it up for the season um one last question I mean I don't I'm not going to assume that you take a winter break but you know tis the season what do you yes. what do you got going on um so my last day is tomorrow I'm so excited I'm so excited I plan mm-hmm to rest and I just bought a whole bunch of painting stuff because I'm in my painting era right now I'm like trying to tap into my creative like I feel I feel like I play with my actions a lot and I want to play with my things that are in my brain and like Mm. colors and things um I want to talk to my friends just just be able to talk to my friends and connect with people so and see what ways that I can be in solidarity with what's happening in the world right now like mm-hmm. after some rest and recharge I'm like what's up okay who needs something I got yeah. something what do I have yes mm-hmm. yes absolutely I really believe in that um you know going off of going off of what we talked about with trust like at some point we have to we have to allow others to step in take over mm-hmm. and and just sort of like shift on and off because you know then we lead into burnout and I feel like we just yeah we just need that rest it's so so necessary yeah. um yeah. And it's a I'm practice gonna... of flocking, right? Just to end with a little little emergent strategy visual that Adrienne Marie Brown talks about flocking, mm-hmm. that there's like everyone is kind of in shared leadership, right? When someone in the flock moves, someone else will move in their space, right? And it's just like, 
right now, maybe we need to move in some resting space. It's also winter, right? And so if we look at nature, nature's hibernating. Yes. Humans, like, we don't fucking follow <laughs> the seasons. But what if we did? Right. And just trusting that, like, I'm going to get back to my spot, whether my spot's holding the front, the back, the middle, I'm going to hold my spot. But for right now, I'm going to need a little respite. I'm going to come back to the flock. And we're going to, and, and trusting that the flock knows that too. They know I'm not just going to bail out on them. But like, mm-hmm. my wing is tired. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, thank you so much. It has been so thank wonderful you. talking to you. <laughs> Likewise, All right. I so appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, yes. I hope you have a wonderful night. I'm about to go feed my dogs. Um, And that's that. (laughs) Bye. Bye.